Hey everybody, uh, this is Josh Schultz, uh, pastor at Mountain View Lutheran Church in Great Falls, Montana. And I'm Nathan Lairsh, pastor at Illumin Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Uh, we're having this conversation with you and we're sharing it with you uh, because we love you. And we want you to know that God loves you too. That's why John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, uh, he wrote his gospel for Christians 2,000 years ago and for Christians today. Uh, we're going to work through John's gospel together uh, for the next few weeks and probably months to hear again and again how much God has loved us in Jesus. Uh, and today we're going to start right from the beginning uh, with John chapter 1. Yeah, and I'm just going to read uh, the very first verse here to get us started off. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, later in John 1, down about verse 14, it becomes very clear that who the Word is, is Jesus. Um, and I, I had someone ask me this week, actually, why does John call Jesus the Word? Um Josh, what would you say? Uh, yeah, that's a, I mean, we could probably, <laughs> we just said we're going to work through John's gospel here for the next few weeks. I think we could just work on John chapter one for weeks and weeks. There's so, so much in here um, that, that title that God gives Jesus, the second person in the Trinity, the word, it's. It's this huge theological truth. Um, when he calls him the word, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of ways that we can look at it. But when I see it, you know, right away, him being the word is that what do we use words for? We use words to uh, communicate, to share information. And by nature, we know that, you know, there's a God out there, that a, a God created the universe. There's this higher being. But, you know, who is this God? What does he do? Um, how does he think about us? How does he feel about us? Like that's, that's the purpose of Jesus. Jesus is the word. He's the communication of God to us of who he is, what he does and how he, how he thinks about us. So he's, he's the communication of God to us. Um, and two, when we think, when we say like the word, a lot of times as Christians, we think, oh, the word is, we're talking about the Bible, which is true. And so Jesus is the, you know, the central figure, the central truth that all of God's word points to everything that was written before Jesus in the Old Testament and points ahead to Jesus. Everything that was written by people like John and, and Paul and Peter after Jesus ascended into heaven, that all points back to Jesus. Um, another thing we could think about is how uh, Jesus is God's spokesman. You know, if you look at through the Gospels, Jesus was preaching and teaching again and again and again. Uh, he's here to uh, share the word and to share the truth to us as he um, as he calls himself. He is the truth. So yeah, it's a huge, really dynamic title that is is beautiful. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a way to sum up what you just said, and it's just and, that, uh, and that's why I brought up like five different points because like you can't you can't you can't sum it up in just one succinct explanation. There's so much that goes into it. Yeah, like I I think the thing that jumps out to me most of what you said is you want to know like the heart of God. Look at Jesus. Uh, you want to know what God thinks of you. Look at Jesus, uh, and you can't. 
you can't know God without knowing Jesus because Jesus is God. Um, and you know, with that too, I, there's a, um, there's a, there's this growing trend and I was reading a study on it a while ago. There's this growing, you know, a lot of Christians think that, or just spiritual people in general, whatever faith they have, they think that America is like moving away from the spiritual things. And I was looking at this study and like, you know, actually the opposite is true. Like, you know, if, it, if it's meditation, uh, there's something called new age beliefs, um, you know, spiritual things and physical things like, uh, like in creation or the belief of karma, whatever it might be actually like, there's a huge rise in, in America that there is a growth of interest and study and practice of spiritual things. So it's, it's actually really fascinating that people are more and more, you can tell they're trying to figure out, you know, that is there a higher being out there? Is there a God? What is this God like? How do I come close to him or her? How do we get to know them? And that's really what John chapter one is, is speaking to is saying like, if you want to know who this spiritual being, if you want to know who this God is, John is saying, look to this man who is God himself, Jesus of Nazareth, who for us lived 2,000 years ago. It's like, if you want to know God, if you want to know spiritual things, look to Jesus. And so Christians today, you know, using the Bible, we have an awesome answer to this, this interest in spiritual things. Like, this is who God is, Jesus. Yeah, that's really encouraging, and I'm running the risk of getting ahead of myself here, of of us here. But um, yeah, I, I sometimes I think, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I think as Christians we can worry too much about oh, you know, people are people are never going to listen, or they're never going to they, they don't want to talk about spiritual things or Christianity or anything. But like most people out there, is if this is what you're saying. Like most people out there, they're searching for something. And just remember, you've got the answer. Mm-hmm. Like Christian, you have the answer in Jesus. Um, they may not listen. You can't control that. But, do you, do, but how people do you, are thirsting for it. Do you see that? Um, I guess it's I guess it's different from, for me, from my experience of different places in the country that I've lived and I've done you know some form of ministry and um i don't know how it's like there in in south carolina but i know here like in montana and if you're from montana and you're listening to this you'd probably agree like here in great falls it's a lot of people there i mean if you have a conversation about spiritual things they're open they're open about it it isn't this you know sometimes i call it seething atheism meaning like people just completely reject the whole thought of the existence of god you know, I really don't see that. And even if people do are atheists and they don't think that, you know, there could possibly be a God out there, like they're, they're, they're very interested and they're willing to sit down and at least talk about it. And it's just like, that's fun. And if, if you're a Christian and you um, have that opportunity, just, just run with it and just be okay with not having a resolution at the end of that conversation, but just start that conversation because like you said, we have, we have so many awesome answers that only Christianity, only the Bible, only Jesus uh, can truly answer. Yeah. Especially if, if you're friends with someone or you have a relationship with someone, 
it's not a hundred percent, but almost a hundred percent, they, they are open to having the conversation. And I think mm -hmm. we sometimes, uh, fool ourselves into thinking, and maybe, maybe it's just an excuse. I don't know. But, uh, fool ourselves into thinking that no, they, they wouldn't be receptive or they don't want to talk about it. But as, man, especially if they know that you care about them, mm -hmm. um, and you, an easy in, an easier in is just to ask them what they think about something. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't even have to share unless they ask you, but, um, then they know that you're willing to listen to them. I think, I think people, I think the hesitancy and, and we're going to talk about this probably in, in a little bit ahead of this conversation when we get later on in the chapter, it's, you know, I don't want to talk to somebody about spiritual things because a lot of times, like, I don't want to like force my beliefs on them or, I don't want to get to the point where I'm inviting them to church and then they say no. And then it can, uh, gets awkward. Like I totally understand that hesitancy, but just like, like, yeah, talking about the spiritual things, like, you know, I, it, and there's a lot of different ways you can do that, but just like having those conversations, like asking them, you know, where are they at in their spiritual life, leaving it broad and open-ended for them to just open up about what they believe and just, to share some of your beliefs, not, you know, don't be heavy handed with it, but just like, you know, start that discussion. That's, oh, it's an awesome thing to go through. And I know we get to do that as pastors, but man, we talked about it in Bible class and on Sunday, it's just like, man, the network you have as a Christian, um, that people just, they just trust you and they, they know who you are and you're not coming from a bad place. Like, Man, the opportunity is right there in front of us, and what a privilege that is that God gives us. Totally, totally. Love it. Uh, one one last thing to wrap up this, why does John call Jesus the word? So the Greek word for word is logos, and we get our English word logic from it. Um, but logos was actually, outside of Christianity, before Jesus' time even, it was a, like a principle in, in Greek thought, and it actually referred, it was the word people used to refer to this kind of universal divine thing, um, like divine reason. And it was always out there, and it was unchanging, but it was above everything. And so the Greeks, they had this idea, and again, outside of Christianity, that there was this divine thing called the Lugus. And you can, if you're interested in ancient philosophy, you can look a lot more into it. Just Google it. Um, so... I don't know the answer, actually, if John, or well, I should say, if God through John decided to like kind of counter this ancient Greek philosophy of yeah, there's this divine thing out there with oh hey, there's one divine being and he became a human being and he's this is it this is the logos that you've all been searching for he's here. Um, I don't know if that was. Specific no, or not? I don't know. I, I when I look at it, I think it is because uh, if you look at the background of John, like when he writes this, and sometimes we get that, like with the Gospels, we think that okay, these guys, you know, you know, especially uh, Matthew and John, the disciples of Jesus. Okay, Jesus died. He rose. He ascended into heaven. Uh, they watch him go. They come off the mountain, and then they go into Jerusalem. And they start writing the gospel. It's like, no, that's not what happened. John actually wrote this much later in life. He was a very young disciple. He writes this uh, probably 
in the uh, mid mid eighties to late mid eighties to mid nineties. So there's like a ten year period where he could have written it. So he's an old man when he writes it, and he's looking back. And actually, one thing we do know, you know, from the rest of scripture and like just church history, that there's this uh, false teaching spreading spread called Gnosticism within the church. And Gnosticism actually, uh, one of the teachings was that like physical things are bad. And the spiritual higher things are really good. Gnosticism, um, I believe it comes from a Greek word for knowledge. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but it's like studying the higher things. Like if we get more knowledge about these spiritual things, um, then it's then everything else is going to sort itself out. And you can see the Greek philosophy in that. Because right? they lived in a culture that was just infused and uh, fundamentally impacted by Greek philosophy. So I think when John uses the word logos, like that that term, what you just said in Greek philosophy, it's like I think John is speaking to some of the false teaching of his day, um, and he's saying like, no, 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 no. The highest thing, the higher knowledge, the logos is Jesus Himself, and so he's clarifying the truth. So I think he is actually using that intentionally. And I think when you look at John or you look at the Apostle Paul, I mean, these guys were no these guys were not slouches. Yeah, they're inspired by the Holy Spirit, but I mean, these guys, these guys were wise men by, you know, divine standards because they were inspired, but also by human standards. So I think, I think John is crafting that intentionally, which is actually really cool when you think about it. I can get on board with that. And, you know, verse 14. It's right there. The word became flesh. Right. You know, he's in a in a philosophy that said the body is weak and, you know, we, we want to do everything we can to get out of the body. Uh, here he says the opposite. And then obviously this is a whole different book, but just the whole resurrection. And in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul talks about us being resurrected, not to some spiritual existence, but with actual bodies that are perfect and we're going to have a physical existence forever and ever right. um, that flies right in the face of ancient Greek outside mm -hmm. of Christianity philosophy too. Cool. Well, what we both preached on this week was John one 29 through 42. Um, we've probably already spent more minutes talking cause we just uh, got out of there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm just going to read verse 29 to start, and we'll, we'll see if we end up reading the rest. Okay. Um, but, um, yeah, so John 1, 29. Give a little background uh, to this, too. Yeah, so previously we were introduced to John the Baptist. That's in verses 19 through 28. Um, and he, people thought he was the Messiah, the promised Savior, but he was very adamant saying, no, 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 it's not me. I'm here to be a witness to that guy. He's greater. He's coming after me. He's so glorious. I'm not even worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. Um, and John was on, John the Baptist is John the Baptist different from the author, John, two different guys, but John the Baptist was on the East side of the Jordan river. And then verse 29 says the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I actually, I heard a sermon. I didn't talk about this much in my sermon at all, but I heard a pastor really go deep into the concept of Jesus being the Lamb of God and putting it in the cultural 
context of what the Jewish people had thought about lambs and how they had used lambs and how lambs were sacrifices for, well, ever since um, the Exodus coming out of Egypt in, what, 1446 BC, I think. Um, so, yeah, there's so much to say. So for 1,500 years, when the people confess their sins, you know, and you can picture yourself maybe going to church and doing this, they would bring a lamb or a different animal, depending on how um, wealthy or poor they were. But they would bring an animal and confess their sins to, let's just call it their pastor. It would have been a priest. Confess their sins. And then they're holding the animal. And this is graphic, just so you know. They're holding the animal, a live animal, and the priest takes a knife and drags it across the animal's throat. And then blood, you know, imagine it. Like blood is everywhere. Blood is over your hands. Um, and then he says, you're forgiven. God forgives you. But it required, like there was the clear picture. Blood was required to be shed in order for your sins to be taken away. And it's because of your sins that the animal's blood had to be shed. So they had 1,500 years of this history. And uh, the pastor I heard, he, he just said, you know, threats are pretty uh, effective for the most part when it comes to stopping bad actions. And he used the example of speeding tickets. Um, like, you don't want to get a speeding ticket, so you don't speed. Um, or if you're a kid, you know, your parent threatens whatever it is, so you don't you don't talk back to them or you don't. You don't disobey them. Um, so he said, imagine that if when you or I sinned, we knew that we were going to have to go to the front of church with a lamb and you hold this animal in front of everyone and you confess your sin in front of everyone. And then the pastor spills the blood of the lamb and you've got blood all over your hands and probably all over your clothes. Um, that would be pretty effective in curbing you from sinning. So why don't we do that anymore? And this is the answer, John 1, 29, because yeah. Jesus is the Lamb of God, and his blood was shed on the cross once for all so that we don't have to do all this sacrificing. Um, Jesus did the sacrificing, and his, yeah, his blood shed once takes away our sin. And uh, that's really an even better motivation to not do wrong things. Um, he, he he made the example, uh, he got a ton of speeding tickets, so obviously that threat didn't work to stop him from speeding. But he said, what if what if the police officer, you know, gave you a ticket for $400 and then whipped out his wallet and gave you $400 bills and said, hey, don't speed again. You wouldn't speed again because he paid, like him paying your ticket would hit you more than you having to pay the ticket. Um, and an act of love is always better news and better motivation than a threat when it yeah. comes to yeah. living a certain way. Isn't it? I mean, God is so amazing. He is so good. The fact that when I, when we wake up in the morning, we don't, we don't serve God. We don't, serve the people in our lives, our wives, our children, our, you know, our coworkers, our friends. Like we don't do that and serve them, you know, just hoping that we don't screw up and hoping that God doesn't punish us. It's, 
we do that because, you know, God has already forgiven us. You know, we do this because God loved us so much to send Jesus and the fact that we can, that we can live in that. And I mean, forgiveness is such a freeing concept and it's such a freeing matter of our faith that I can go and I can fight against sin and I can, you know, serve the best I can and love people because I know I'm loved and I know I'm forgiven. And, you know, when he talks about that idea of a threat, like something hanging over your head, that's a scary thought. And we don't have to live like that because the threat was already taken away in Jesus. The forgiveness is already ours. So we can just, out of Thanksgiving, just go and love people. Amen. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's, I mean, circling back to what we said earlier, that's what we get to say to other people when, uh, you know, like Andrew, what he went first, verse 41 says, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. And that's what we get to do with people we know. Uh, we just get to say, hey, I found, you know, found something. I want you to know about it because I love you. You should come and see. And I'm going to talk about that this, this coming week too. But what, yeah, isn't it, when you look at that, so Andrew, so John the Baptist pointed Andrew, one of his own disciples, to Jesus. And when he found Jesus and knew him and believed in him as his Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, it, it's not just that. He just went, John specifically says the first thing Andrew did, the first thing, Mm -hmm. you you just think about, we're talking about, you know, personal evangelism, you know, telling people about Jesus in our own lives uh, before it's like, how often do we, I know for me, you know, I sit down and I think about it. How am I going to approach this person? All right. I've come into contact with this. This is somebody really good who I know that I should. Uh, have that spiritual conversation with and so sometimes I'll sit here maybe I'll read something I'll think about how I'm going to craft my presentation um, you know I'm going to find the right uh, time and location and like we do so much thinking about doing it the right way <laughs> and like Andrew just like does not hesitate the first thing he did he didn't go and have lunch he didn't sleep on it he, the first thing he did was find his brother Simon and the question is why it's because he loves Simon so much. It's because it's just like, I just found my savior. I just found the one who is here to take away all my sins. I just found how I'm going to heaven. And he, the first, and he wants Simon to be, to know this forgiveness too. He wants Simon to know how much God loves him. He wants Simon to be in heaven with him for eternity too. And so what did he do? The first thing he did was tell Simon just that. And it's just like, I just pray that each and every day, you know, not just as a pastor, but just as a Christian, that God would give me that spirit, that God would give me that heart of saying, the first thing I do, the first thing I want to tell people about is about Jesus, just like Andrew did. There's an urgency to it that can't get lost on us. Yeah. I, and, and verse 42, like, it's so simple. He just brought him to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talked about how we can, we can over plan and you know, overthink things even. And, uh, he just brought him to Jesus. Um, 
I, they were brothers. I assume they had a good relationship. Simon mm -hmm. knew Andrew cared about him. And so if, if Andrew, if Andrew comes to Simon and says, Hey, Simon, you know, we're missing this thing. I think I found it. I think it's the thing that's going to make our hearts full, um, change our lives for the better. Um, you know, come and see it. And he listened and I don't but in, Yeah. But in, in, you think about it, Andrew is just like us. He's no different than us. And think about all the people who rejected Jesus in his life. You know, because Jesus made this claim that he is the son of God, he is the Messiah, he's the savior of the world. And everybody looked at him like, you can't say that. Like, who is this guy? This is this is the son of Mary and Joseph. As we move through John, we'll, we'll, we'll see people doing that again and again. Um, like, Andrew could have thought, like, you know, if I tell Simon this, he's going to think I'm crazy. <laughs> or, or Simon's going to, like, he... The first thing he did is tell him about Jesus, and he brought him to Jesus. Like, Andrew lived with that mindset, I have nothing to lose. This is so important, I have nothing to lose. And I say that, I got, that's one of my sticky notes uh, on the wall on the other side of my, right in front of my face here, um, where I put my, set my computer up and I write sermons and such. Uh, it's, I heard it from a pastor at one of the conferences we went to last year. It's that, it's that idea of, uh, what do you have to lose? You know, what, like truly, what do we have to lose when we tell people about Jesus? We have nothing to lose because we already have everything. We already have forgiveness. We have God's love. We have heaven. And we just want them to have it too. We have nothing to lose. Yeah, we have yeah, nothing yeah. to lose. And they have everything to gain. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and when we say is. everything, we mean everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating because God is everything. Um, I, yeah, God is everything. I, my, like I said, on Sunday, I didn't talk much about lamb of God. My focus was, you know, Jesus turned around and asked Andrew and the other disciple, which probably people think was John, the guy who wrote this, but we don't know for sure. Um, but he said, what do you want? And then they just said, where are you staying? And man, like that we believe that God is everything. So that our every answer to like, what do you want is well, where's Jesus? Where is he staying? Where can I get more of him? Where can I get more of God? Um, I'm smiling, thinking about it. And it, I mean, as pastors, I know that we, we aren't immune from wanting other things more than we love more than, more than we want God or finding, you know, finding refuge and, you know, just trying to empty our minds by watching a TV show. Like I, I, I do that mm -hmm. <laughs> regularly and I'm laughing, but I shouldn't be. Um, but man, so much joy in believing that God is everything because we have him. He's given himself to us. Um, yeah. That rearranges, you know, when, when we see who God is and he is our all in all, everything, you know, that rearranges our, you know, that is God rearranging the priorities of our heart too. And we need, we need that day in and day out. And I think too, for us talking about this is, is so good for me. And I know uh, for anybody listening to this, this is God is working right now through his word and he's rearranging your priorities to put himself at the top of the list too. And uh, how awesome is that? Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, the last verse here, verse 42 Andrew brings Peter, also called Simon. Um, well, actually, at the time, he was called Simon. Um, and Jesus just looked at him. You are Simon, son of John, but you'll be called Cephas, which in uh, 
in um, Greek is Peter, and that means rock. And, uh, well, I think I'll just leave it at this. We'll find out a lot more about Peter throughout the rest of John's Gospel. Uh, one of the most famous people in the New Testament, for sure. And uh, we're going to find out Jesus didn't name him Rock because he was the most awesome character and was the strongest. But uh, eventually he would find out very firmly that his foundation was in uh, Jesus mm-hmm. and in the faith, faith that he gives. So, I guess, um, too, when you, look, when you look at that, too, as we... You know, hindsight 2020, looking back at the life of Peter, what we know in scripture, it's, man, he was, he was a rock in the sense of like, he was that strong-willed, boisterous leader of the disciples. He would be the leader of like the church in Jerusalem, the leader in the church, you know, throughout the Mediterranean, you know, when you look at the book of Acts, really strong guy, but at the same time, when we see his weaknesses, like during Holy Week, uh, and again and again, you know, Jesus had to put Peter in his place sometimes. And, it, and we see there in so many ways that Peter is also fragile, too. Um, you know, he had his sin that he struggled with. Sometimes you see probably was the sin of pride. And he just there's certain times in his life where he just crumbled. And, you know, and that was, I think, you know, when you look at it, the point of Jesus naming him, naming him that, knowing that. Peter, you're not a rock because of yourself, but uh, being a rock of being strong is the foundation I put you on. And that foundation uh, is me, your savior. Love it. Love it. All right, cool. Um, well, I think, I think we're good to wrap up here. We will have lots more to hear from John uh, in the coming weeks. So what, what are we talking about next week? We got... Uh, John 1, 43 through 51. Yeah, the end of the chapter. I, uh, you know, we've got Jesus calling a couple more disciples. Um, one of his disciples doubting him and where he came from and wondering like, oh, can anything good come from uh, that place? And I'm excited to talk about that this weekend. And Jesus making a promise given a sign uh, and the resulting the result was that one of the people that doubted started believing in him. Um, and then Jesus promises more and greater signs to that guy and to all of us. So I'm excited for that. I will uh, wrap us up with prayer here. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened. If you've got comments, if you know either pastor Josh or myself, like reach out to one of us. Um, we love answering your questions. We want to know what you're looking for. Um, as we continue this conversation going forward. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, you show us who God is. You are God. Um, Because of you, we can have no doubt about what the almighty God of the universe thinks of us. Uh, We are his beloved. Um, Because you came um, to sacrifice yourself uh, to take away all of our sins so that we wouldn't have to worry about making sacrifices to to get our own guilt off of our backs. You took it all, um, and your blood has washed us completely clean. Uh, Let us live in that freedom each day, and the people that we love in this world, and even the people that we maybe don't even know yet, um, let us love everyone by saying, what do I have to lose? Nothing. Uh, I just want to tell everyone else about who my God is and who their God is. Um, So give us... uh, 
strength and confidence to say to others, yeah, come and see. Come and see who who this Jesus is. Um, in your name we pray. Amen.